one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are taking my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career render, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. This is the Beyond the Game program coming to you from the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. Sports talk without the trash talk. I'm Rick Benson. With me, as always, is Zach Barletta. But not as always, but also with me is his brother, Spencer Barletta. Spencer, thanks for being with us. Glad to have you. BTGprogram.com or give us a follow on Twitter or perhaps a like on Facebook at BTG Program. When you host one of the nation's top-rated faith-based sports talk programs, you probably love sports, and we do too here on this show. There are many great things. <laughs> well done. There are many great things about sports, the thrill of victory and even the agony of defeat, as they used to say in the wide world of sports. And even defeat can be encouraging at times as we watch athletes continue to compete. We love the stories of overcoming, of fortitude, of determination and grit. We hear on this program, and likely many of our regular listeners especially love when players acknowledge God and give the glory for their performance back to him. And we've seen that recently on big stages, such as with Alabama's Tua Tagovailoa following the national championship game, and more recently on Sunday after that incredible victory by the Vikings over the Saints. Here was Minnesota Vikings quarterback Case Keenum. I have no words. You asked me about this moment. What this moment's meant to me is, is probably going to go down as the third best moment of my life behind Jesus, giving my life to Jesus Christ, marrying my wife, and uh, and this one's right there close. God is so good, he says, and then he just goes on and talks about it being the third best moment. We love that stuff. We don't want to overemphasize it, though. I mean, it's we all should be giving God the glory in all our aspects of life because, well, he deserves it. Coming up on today's show, we're going to have a lot more sports and faith mixing it together. It won't be long now before spring training camps open up in Florida and Arizona. One of the great rituals in all of sports is spring training. Brings renewed hope, the encouragement of the change of the weather. There are plenty of trade rumors and free agents still available. We'll look at a few of the more surprising names that we've been hearing. Plus, Andrew Cogliano's Ironman streak has come to an end in the NHL. Baseball and hockey. This is this is going to be a good show. Zach has a fresh list of shenanigans statements, and those are all going to be football-related. We'll recap this week's athletics happenings at Roberts Wesleyan College and the Red Hawks recap. And, of course, we'll tell you what it is that we like this week, along with Zach and Spencer Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. Come on back. This is the Beyond the Game program. Ram Sports Network, Christian Sports Television. That's right, Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian Sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros, games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Let's face it, sometimes 
life hurts. Sometimes we can even get caught up in habits that are hard to break. That hurt can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are struggling with pain or addiction due to such things as drinking, cutting, pornography, eating disorders, troubled family dynamics, and more. Hundreds of students from middle school age to college age have been given tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program, and many lives have been changed as a result. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1 to 2.30 p.m. in the Auditorium Theater in Rochester. And of course, it's absolutely free of charge. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, or call the church office at 585-723-HOPE. That's 585-723-4673, and ask for Jill. Rick Benson here on the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with a bit of faith. I'm here with the cast of the Myth and Mysteries podcast, our own producer, Zach Barletta, his brother, Spencer. I know you guys are like me, and it gets to this time of year, and although the snow continues to fall and the temperatures at time are downright stupid, there's those days when the sun's out and it feels good. The angle of the sun is starting to get a little warmer. The, the, at least when you're in the sun, it feels good. And those days remind me that spring training is just around the corner. Teams are going to be showing up, and I get excited for baseball. Well, the truth is I'm excited for baseball most of the time, Yeah, which is why the MLB Network drives me absolutely insane. I'm sure there's a reason that they don't do this, and one of those reasons might be well, they're just bad at what they do. But <laughs> don't you think they could give us more actual baseball to attract more baseball viewers? I mean, there's the Dominican League. There's the Mexican Leagues. There's Venezuelan Leagues. I know. It's the off season. It's more difficult for them to fill program. But give us some baseball from somewhere. It's not Major League Baseball. I understand that. But it keeps your appetite whetted for baseball. I don't mind winter. I really don't. Until... I start seeing baseball players on my TV screen, and then I get a little antsy. Then each following snowstorm, each time the snow falls after that, I just get a little more bitter and bitter <laughs> and bitter. You know, around my house, my, my poor wife, she's such a trooper, but we don't celebrate Valentine's Day as much. She may. Baby, I'm celebrating pitchers at Catcher's Day around my place. <laughs> yeah, that's, man. that's what I'm with. So at the opening of camps a little less than a month away, Let's talk a little baseball, and specifically some of the players that are still available or rumored to be available via a trade, and there's some good good players out there. I follow the Major League Baseball MLB trade rumors, MLBtraderumors.com. I think oh, yeah. it's, it is better than MLB's website when it comes to really transaction rumors and sources. It, it's a good one. On a side note, I'm, I, look, I'm thrilled to have a son-in-law now. I appreciate how he loves and cares for my daughter. I can say that he's part of the family. We love him. They were high school sweethearts. They dated, you know, for seven years before they got married. Look, he's a good guy. But he ruined some stuff. My <laughs> daughter's initials were MLB. Uh, and now his last name starts with a P. He's ruined it. He didn't take her last name? I tried to get him to do that, but I tried to convince him it was trendy and all the cool kids are doing it, but they they weren't buying any of that. 
Anyway, within the last week or so, the Pirates have dealt away Garrett Cole to the Astros, not the Yankees. They dealt away Andrew McCutcheon to the San Francisco Giants, despite that my CBS Sports app told me that he was getting traded to the New York Giants. My app (laughs) said Giants and, and Pirates agreed to McCutcheon deal, and there was the New York Giants logo there. But now that they're gone, some of the bigger names and trades that are still available, one of the names I hear about is Tampa Bay's Chris Archer. Mm-hmm. And you got to wonder, man, after sending away Evan Longorio also to the Giants, you sort of expect a raise to move Archer. And that's a guy as a Yankee fan that, boy, I'd, I'd like to have him. And you'd think that the Yankees would have the prospects to work out a deal. I know the Rays would be reluctant to move him within division, but that's a guy I'd kind of like to have. He is a guy I'd like to have. And uh, to be honest, I don't see him getting traded until closer to the trade deadline because he is controllable by the Rays for a pretty, you know, pretty team-friendly deal. Um, I think they won't move him until uh, teams are more motivated to pay up what they want to get. But it's the Tampa Bay way. You know, guys start to get expensive and they get traded. That's what they do. It's how they operate the franchise. It's how they always have. So you got to think at some point, sooner rather than later, he'll be out of there. You Which- s- Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Spencer. You said that uh, you kind of expect him to move Archer. I kind of just expect that they're still getting ready to move, period. I hope yeah. they're <laughs> one step closer to them being the Expos. Bring back the Expos. You're tracking me because that was exactly what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. I, I love the Tampa St. Pete area, but get him out of there. It's a, it's a travesty what's happening there. Yeah. They can't fill a stadium. They can't pay their players. Another name I hear a lot, and this one really surprises me, is Michael Fulmer of the Tigers. Mm -hmm. And the guy was just a rookie of the year two seasons ago. You would think if the Tigers were going into some sort of rebuilding mode that this is a guy you'd want to rebuild around. But yet I hear his name a lot. And all I could think is that they must be thinking that they can bring back a haul much the way the Yankees did when they traded away Andrew Miller Mm -hmm. and Aroldis Chapman. But uh, that's another guy that would look pretty decent in pinstripes. He would. And if you're going to spring for any of these pitchers that are on the block, Fulmer would be the guy that you would want, ideally, because he's so good. Like you said, he was just a rookie of the year. And he's under team control for something like five or six more seasons, really affordably. So he would fit your plan to upgrade the rotation and stay under the luxury tax amount for a while. The only problem, of course, is like you said, you're going to have to give up quite a bit to get him, which is why I don't really see him ending up with the Yankees because the Yankees have finally stockpiled all this young talent. They really don't want to start shipping it out. But I agree, he would be fantastic in pinstripes. One more pitcher that also gets mentioned a lot is Danny Salazar of Mm -hmm. the Indians. A guy that is really only a little over 500. I think his record is something 36, 38 wins Mm -hmm. against 32, 33 losses, something like that. But a ton of upside. And I think you'd be able to pick up a pitcher like that for a lot less in return than you would a Michael Fulmer. Mm -hmm. Then you think about the Yankees. Again, we're all Yankee fans in here. That's why we keep bringing up the Yankees. But they're sitting on Clint Frazier, who, while I like Clint Frazier, is sort of blocked because they have a ton of outfield depth. So you wonder, could there be a a possible way to trade him back to the Cleveland? Obviously, in a deal like that, you'd think there'd need to be more pieces than just the two. Yeah. But, you know, trading a guy back to the team that you got him from seems kind of weird. But he is a very good prospect and a very good player. And, you know, Salazar is, at least at this point in his career, not a guy that the Indians have been able to depend on. Look, when he's on, we went to a game that he pitched and he shut the Yankees down and he was tremendous. When he's on, he's an ace. 
but he's not on all the time. He has been injured. Last year he was bad enough that he got moved to the bullpen for a while. Um, you don't know what you're going to get for the Indians. That might be a good deal. The Yankees' own Dylan Patances is another one who I think is difficult to read. Mm-hmm. Remember last year this guy... There was the arbitration hearing. There was a lot of bitterness with the way that went down with some of the things that uh, Randy Levine said about him in those hearings. He wasn't automatic all the time. At times he was. At other times he couldn't hit water if he had fallen out of a boat. And the guy was very inconsistent at times last year, which, which, by the way, did you see that the Yankees avoided arbitration with something like all eight of their arbitration eligible guys, yeah, which, including including Batanza. So you think somebody somewhere learned something along the way? Uh, hey, we're not going through this again. Not only Batanza, Sonny Gray, Didi Gregorius, Aaron Hicks, Tommy Conley, Andrew Austin Romine, uh, Adam Warren, Chase and Shreve. I think were all the guys that were arbitration eligible. Every one of them the Yankees settled with. Obviously, something happened last year with that whole Randy Levine thing that they yeah. didn't want to happen again. As spring training draws to a clo- uh, closer, I almost said draws to a close. I, I don't want oh, to get ahead of myself. I wish. <laughs> Another thing teams like to do is pick up veteran leadership, players who model consistency, players who model maturity, which is why I'd like to see the Yankees bring back Todd Frazier. I know they've got a couple of young top prospect infielders, and they're counting on those guys. But having Frazier there as some security is something I would like like to see. Plus, he was so good for the clubhouse last year. He was, yes. The, the whole uh, the thumbs-down thing, uh, the, all the Todd Frazier thumbs-down T-shirts and stuff. I know you've got one. I do. That was awesome. That really seemed to – I mean, that team was loose, and they were gelled pretty much the whole season. But he really seemed to be sort of that guy that the younger players – sort of were drawn to, and he was great in that clubhouse. And look, if it's a one-year deal and it's not anything too crazy, I would love to see him come back. That's something we all benefit, though, in life, some mature guidance, some mature wisdom, some somebody that's got more experience than we do. That's why these teams like to sign those guys at this time of year because they're not giving them as much money as maybe had they signed them right at the end of the season. Guys are a little more desperate. They want to keep playing, especially the older guys. That's not to suggest that because you're young, you don't know what you're doing. That's not what I'm saying. But being able to watch somebody who has been around the block a few times and who you, you see them and you know that they, they, they've they learned how to respond to certain things. They've learned how to react to situations. Learning from somebody who's maybe already made the mistakes so you don't have to. I mentioned many of the young guys on the Yankees, and, and they just they play – to me, it seems like they're playing well above their years, maturity-wise. They're just mm-hmm. so together. And I think that comes from being surrounded by quality leaders up and down the farm system who those young guys are now emulating. A Sunday morning, the pastor at the church I attended, he asked this question early in his message. If people around us were emulating us, would they then look like Jesus? I think I could have got up and left right there. It was early in the service. I could have just left because there was so much in that question that— mm-hmm was challenging and convicting right there. And let me say it again, only slightly different. If people around you were emulating you, would they look like Jesus? Here's a shocker for you. Jesus isn't asking us to evangelize the lost. Now, don't lose me here. That certainly takes place. But what he says is to make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The first step in making a disciple is telling them about Jesus and how he died on the cross to pay for their sins, so that if they only repent and ask God to forgive them, they can have eternal life in heaven. That's the first part. And the best way to show how sincere and how important you think that is, is to live your life in a way that would emulate Jesus himself, Christ-like characteristics, his love, his kindness, his compassion, etc. The pastor also reminded us on Sunday that it doesn't need to be a church event for us to act like a Christian. Mm -hmm. And once you know Jesus Christ personally as your Savior, you receive his Holy Spirit, which, while it doesn't take over because you still have that human spirit within you that you were born with and the two sort of wage, but by being with you, it does help you to guide you in living in a way that reveals the changing power of the cross of Christ. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. Veteran players are like like witnesses to the younger players around them. And like any other walk of life, they can be bad witnesses, they can be bad examples, or they could be good examples. Teams want those veteran guys around their young players to show that next generation what it takes to be a professional, what it takes to be, uh, what it takes, what, what's required to be a winner. Let me just share one more thing I took away from Sunday's message and Man, I feel like I'm ripping this guy off for this segment. <laughs> but it was really good stuff. He was a missionary to Africa for something like 10 years. And he said, missionaries do nothing different than live as a disciple of Jesus on the mission field, just as they live as, as a disciple of Jesus at home. Their goal is not to make missionaries, but to make disciples. And if you would say that you know Jesus personally, I would ask, how are you living your life? Are you making disciples as Jesus left instructions for us to do? Or again, as the pastor's original question on Sunday, if people around you were emulating you, would they then look like Jesus? If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ but would like to know what that's all about or how to know Jesus personally, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. There's a tab in the upper right-hand portion of our website that I think will help you. And just a reminder... It's always our honor to pray for you. You can send us a note through that website. Thanks so much for listening with the Barletta Boys. I'm Rick Bentz, and this is the Beyond the Game program. Time for the Red Hawks recap for this week. Covering up through January 18th, the Red Hawks recap is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. Let me start out by congratulating senior Nikita James. She eclipsed the 1,000-point career mark for the Red Hawks in last Friday night's 79-70 home win over New York Institute of Technology. James totaled 13 points and 4 assists, while sophomore Emily Miller posted her ninth double-double of the season, scoring 18 points and pulling down 11 rebounds. The men were also victorious over NYIT on Friday. They got 18 points from junior guard Michael Bush and 17 from fellow junior Brad Williams in the 91-81 win. Both teams were back in action on Sunday at the Voller Athletic Center at the Roberts Wesleyan College campus. The women were tripped up by LIU Post 88-80, despite getting 22 points from James. The men got 15 points each from Williams, senior Manny Joseph, and sophomore Isaiah Lewis as they defeated Post 90-78. Lots of action coming up this week for the Red Hawks athletic teams, though none are at home until next Friday night, January 26th, when the basketball teams will play host to the University of Bridgeport. Women are set to tip off at 6 p.m., followed by the men at 8 p.m. 
They will also be hosting Mercy College on Sunday the 28th, women starting at 2 and the men following at 4. And next Saturday the 27th, both the men's and women's teams will host Oswego at 1 p.m. in the Valor Athletic Center. By the way, though, it's technically not a home meet. It's still close as the swim teams will take on Monroe Community College on Wednesday night the 24th. Start time is scheduled for 5 p.m. Also not technically at home, but still pretty close. The track teams will split the squad and some travel to Ohio, but others will be competing close to home at the Brockport Invitational next Saturday the 27th, starting at 10 a.m. For the full schedule of games, visit their website, robertsredhawks.com. There you can also get scores, highlights, and much more. Or follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program Sports Talk without the trash talk. We have Zach's brother Spencer here with us this week. The two combine their talents, bringing you the Myth and Mystery podcast, which you hear advertised during our program here. If you haven't checked it out and you like stories about the weird and unexplained, I think you might enjoy this show. Visit their website, MythAndMysteriesPod.com. You guys have a favorite weird story that you've presented over how long you've been doing this? A year, two a year. years? We're doing it a year. Actually, just a couple episodes ago, we covered crop circles. And that's probably my favorite because there was. I still don't actually understand all of the things that I said. There's so much science and stuff that I learned just to do that episode. So that's probably my favorite so far. I remember listening to that one at the gym, and my head's still recovering from some of the things you presented. I may have suffered a brain injury just reading for that episode. There's a lot of really fun things that we've covered, from things like D.B. Cooper to you know some of the creatures that we think might exist that are really fun on there. One of the ones I had a blast on was the Kappa, which is a, just a Japanese creature that's existed in lore. It's just a really goofy, silly creature with all kinds of weird paintings out there that we got to look at, yeah. and uh, that was really Kind of a, a fun and silly break that we actually got to take, but it was a blast. Yeah, it loves cucumbers and farts. Yeah, so, <laughs> so much, uh, you know, highbrow humor in that one. Well, you guys do a great job. The Myth and Mysteries podcast, mythandmysteriespod.com, or find them on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you like to get your podcast. Let's move on, get into this week's shenanigan statements. So what do you have for us, Zach? All right, number one, the Buffalo Bills' new offensive coordinator, Brian Daybowl, has been an offensive coordinator for three different NFL teams in the past, but never had any success. So truth or shenanigans, the Bills should have hired one of the available coaches who had a better track record. You know, I say shenanigans. I, I like the hire, and I love the fact that he's a local guy, mm-hmm. uh, native to somewhere south of Buffalo, I think, if I recall right. He seemed to do all right in his one year at Alabama. Working alongside Nick Saban has been a boost for many coaches' careers. It's kind of like being part of the Bill Belichick tree. Uh, Alabama has great players for sure, but Dayball helped them refine those skills, and as a result, uh, look, their offense was in the top five in a lot of offensive categories. No, I, I, I like it. I like it as well, so I'm going to say uh, shenanigans. 
you know, the one thing Bills fans are really sick of is retread coaches. You know, for so long, the head coaches, the coordinators, they were guys that were just happy to be here and have a job. You know, they weren't guys that you necessarily were excited about having. This is a guy who's been hired by Bill Belichick, not once, but twice. If Bill Belichick likes him, that's good enough for me. He's been hired by Nick Saban. The guy had a better 2017 than just about anyone. With 11 months apart, he won the national, or he won the Super Bowl, and then he won the college championship in the same year. So, I mean, the guy's having a great year. He's coming off tremendous success. He's worked with some of the best football minds in history. And I looked over the numbers from some of those past stops as offensive coordinators. Probably the best quarterback he had during that time was Matt Moore. The list of quarterbacks he worked with, Matt Moore, Brady Quinn, Brady Quinn twice, Derek Anderson. You could see why maybe they weren't able to put up the numbers you'd like to see from your offense. So I'd like, I like the hire. I'm ready to give him another shot, and I'm excited to see what he has. What it's do you think, a, Spencer? It's a clean sweep for me. Shenanigans on the statement. I feel like it's impossible to to judge whether or not they should have hired someone else before the guys even had a day to put mm. together the playbook or, or call a play in an actual game or a practice. Mm-hmm. And I think that he has some unique advantages that some of these other coaches don't have in going from the NFL to the college arena. He's not only gotten to kind of be at the forefront of some of the play calling and as the NFL changes, which it is constantly changing, he's got a lot of experience with some of the college quarterbacks that hopefully we think the Bills are going to be drafting one of those soon. And he's gotten a lot of experience with those coaches that you have mentioned and a lot of experience in multiple different facets of the offense. He's coached tight ends, he's coached quarterbacks, he's coached wide receivers, fill in the blank. So I think he's a well-rounded coach and we can't forget that he did get offensive coordinator positions as a very young man. Uh, So he was kind of a a wonderkin, they call him, uh, when he came up. So hopefully he's learned a few things since he was a little bit younger, but I think there's a lot of potential there. Next, the Tennessee Titans made the playoffs and then shockingly went into Kansas City and knocked out the Chiefs before losing to the Patriots in the divisional round. On Tuesday, it was announced that the Titans were parting ways with head coach Mike Malarkey. So truth or shenanigans, Malarkey deserved to keep his job. What do you think, Zach? I say shenanigans. Um, one thing that the team said after it was announced that Malarkey wouldn't be returning is that Malarkey believed that Mariota, Marcus Mariota was developing and the team really didn't see any development or any progress out of him. And, you know, look, he's very talented, but he didn't have a good year. He threw way more interceptions than anyone expected from him. And it was even said by the announcers in that Chiefs game that some of his veteran teammates on the Titans told him, look, Sometimes you got to put the coaching in the back seat, just play the way that you play and let your natural ability win games for you, and that's what happened in that game. And honestly, I think everybody, myself included, when Mike Malarkey was announced as the head coach there, was like, is this the guy that you want to develop your franchise quarterback? He's kind of a stick in the mud and a dinosaur in the NFL. And I think the Titans finally were the last to realize maybe he's not the guy you want to develop your franchise quarterback. So uh, I agree they needed a fresh voice there. What do you think, Spencer? I think I'm going to go with shenanigans as well. Off air, a lot of the discussion that I've had with you guys has involved the word dinosaur again. (laughs) He's got kind of that reputation. And when you have players telling your star quarterback who is having a, a year wherein he's struggling, that players are telling him, hey, do what you need to do. And coaching is is not actually benefiting you in this situation. And then the owner coming out and saying, we are very disappointed in, in how Mariota has been developed. You can blame some of that on the coordinators, but ultimately it's the head coach's job. And he, he came out 
and whined a little bit. He said, you know, I've never had any support. But unfortunately, in my opinion, Malarkey has not given ownership enough of a reason to give him that support. So shenanigans, I do not think uh, he deserved to stay there. He needed to go. I agree with what you guys are saying. I, I kind of think, yeah, I agree. He did deserve to keep his job. But then again, I say shenanigans. Here's the deal. The Titans went from rumored to be firing him if he didn't make the playoffs to working on an extension for him to keep him around to just ultimately firing him. And from yeah. what I've heard and from what I've read, this was simply more of not being on the same page. And both sides agree, look, they wanted to approach things differently. So I give both sides a little credit here for having the maturity and wisdom to say, look, it's not going to work this way. We have different plans for this, different plans of attack. They also wanted the front office, did him to change a couple of coaches. And to his credit, he had the integrity. He was sticking to his ground and saying, I'm not going to do that. And it cost him his job. I think he'll eventually land on his feet. I'm with you, Zach. I was a little surprised when they first hired him, but I don't know what to make of it. So, yeah, I I think he kind of deserved to keep his job. They did make the playoffs. But I tip my cap to both sides for having the maturity to walk away from something that wasn't seemed to be working. I'm curious to see who ends up becoming the coach there, too. Number three, Le'Veon Bell has threatened to sit out the 2018 season or even retire from football if the Steelers use the franchise tag on him this offseason. Bell also says he never wants to leave Pittsburgh. So, truth or shenanigans, Le'Veon Bell will be a Pittsburgh Steeler in 2018. I, I agree that he will be. Players seem to object to the franchise tag, and and I'm not a hundred. I, I get it, but I'm not a hundred percent in agreement with them because this guarantees ultimately you're going to get paid, and mm-hmm. that's what they want. I, I think what we're hearing now is just some posturing, perhaps some negotiating tacit, tactics. I, I'm not in his shoes, but uh, look, I'd be okay with being guaranteed to be one of the top players at my position yeah. while also playing where I enjoy playing and where I'm familiar with playing. Mm-hmm. It seems okay to me, and I suspect it will be with Bell also. I agree, and I agree he will be a Steeler in 2018. I think ultimately Bell needs the Steelers, and the Steelers need Bell. Um, his running style of waiting patiently for holes to develop and then accelerating through them, it's not going to work everywhere because you have to have a good offensive line for that to work. You can't just go to the Bengals or wherever. It's not going to work the same other places. He's familiar with the offense. He's familiar with the quarterback, the offensive line. The Steelers also don't know how long Ben Roethlisberger is going to play. We've had retirement rumors before and after the season. He said he'll be back next year, but who knows after that. Um, if a year from now suddenly your quarterback is Landry Jones, you're going to want to have a dependable safety valve and a dependable running back. And Le'Veon Bell is one of the best there is. So I think ultimately a deal gets done and he stays. Do we know how much they will pay him if they franchise him again next year? More than the three of us are getting paid combined. (laughs) That's not saying much. I do think he will be a Steeler next year. I think one of the key phrases in here is that he wants to be. Uh, He does want an outrageous amount of money, but he does want to be a Steeler. Um, There could be a few factors in there. There are some reports coming out that Tomlin might be on the hot seat. Well, we've already seen Todd Haley, I believe, is going to be gone, the offensive coordinator. So there will be a new coordinator in Pittsburgh next year. Yes, at the time of this recording, he is out the door already. So there could be some things that change as far as head coaching and coordinating that might play a difference, but... I agree that the Steelers would be better to keep him, and I think that posturing was a word you used, Benson. They're probably lining themselves up, and at some point they will agree uh, on some terms. 
Number four, the Jacksonville Jaguars will go into New England this week and beat the Patriots to advance to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> right. kids. <laughs> 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 they just went on the road and beat Pittsburgh. I'll give them credit, but no, they're not going to New England and beating the Patriots. That's different. That's almost unheard of. And doing it during the playoffs, wow, that's something even more different. This will be something like what they're, with the exception of the game they hosted against the Bills. This is going to be four or five road games in a row, and each time the winning gets more difficult. Um, no, no way. I'm actually going to agree that I think they can do it. I. It hurts me to say this because of the way that they behaved on the field against the Bills with all the chirping and the headshots and everything, but this Jaguars team is starting to feel to me like that Super Bowl Seahawks team where they're just a suffocating defense and they're really good and they know that they're really good and they play with a chip on their shoulder. And now that Seahawks team had a much better quarterback than Blake Bortles, <laughs> but you've got Fournette, who kind of reminds me of Marshawn Lynch a little bit. And I really feel like, like, look, nobody gave them a shot against the Steelers. And they completely, for most of that game, blew the doors off of them. So what'll be interesting to see is both the Patriots and the Jaguars have gotten all the favorable calls in their games throughout the playoffs. That's going to change. One of those teams is not going to get the favorable calls anymore. It's safe to say it's going to be the Jaguars. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But the Jaguars look like a team that's for real, and it makes, by the way, the Bills holding them to 10 points look more impressive. It does. I thought I might be the the only contrary one and go with the fact that I think that Jacksonville wins this game. I think that their uh, their strengths and the uh, New England Patriots' strengths are an interesting lineup. I think that some of the things that the Patriots struggle to do, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, I think Tom Brady's going to be under a lot of pressure, and I think he's going to be very frustrated. I think they're going to get their points because they're the New England Patriots and they're at home. But I think that the Jaguars are going to continue this historic run and kind of the Cinderella story by knocking the Patriots out in the AFC Championship game. You guys like to tell weird stories, unsolved <laughs> mysteries on your Myth and Mysteries podcast. If Jacksonville goes into New England, you can do a story. We're going to have to cover it. <laughs> I'm yeah. down. I'm ready. Last but not least, the final four quarterbacks playing for a spot in the Super Bowl are Tom Brady, Blake Bortles, Case Keenum, and Nick Foles. Truth or shenanigans? The old saying that you can't win without a franchise quarterback is no longer true. What do you think, Spencer? Let's start with you. I'm going to have to say shenanigans, the, the statement, the old saying is no longer true. I think that it is a true statement that um, I guess has an exception. So does that mean that I have to take it back if it has an exception? I'm not sure. But I think that it is impossible at the very least to win consistently. So if I'm abusing the question there, I apologize. But I think that it is important. And to win consistently, you do need that there. I think that Case Keenum was probably more talented than anyone knew or thought. And based on mm -hmm. some of the digging that I've done into Case Keenum's background, his success, I think that he was uh, something great that was waiting to happen. John Gruden said of Case Keenum, somebody's going to take you, somebody's going to pass on you, and somebody's going to be very sorry. I think there's no question that Blake Bortles is not the quarterback that you want in the playoffs. <laughs> so you can say, yes, they got there, but he is being dragged kicking and screaming by that Jaguars defense. So I'm going to say it's still true. You need that quarterback and, and if you want any kind of consistency, but there are exceptions to the rule. What do you think, Zach? I agree with Spencer. I think it's too soon to say that you don't need a franchise quarterback anymore. I think you can win with an only a, maybe above average quarterback, but you have to be 
the Broncos of a few years ago or the Jaguars of this year. Not just any team can do it. There are conditions. Um, and don't forget, like Spencer said, Case Keenum was a record-setting college quarterback. You know, he was probably overlooked by scouts when he shouldn't have been. But don't forget also, we're only one last-minute amazing broken play away from Drew Brees being in this group. So then you're looking at Drew Brees and Tom Brady being two of these four quarterbacks. So while I don't think it's as important maybe as it was five years or so ago, I do still think it's very important. I agree. It is no longer true. As they say, the proof's in the pudding. These guys are there. So obviously they're winning. But uh, I also agree with you guys that while you can win, I definitely like my chances more with a franchise-type quarterback. There is the whole idea of consistently winning and getting back there. You're not going to keep being competitive without one. We talked on last week's show about God's habit of using rather unremarkable people to do remarkable things. And I know at least two of these guys you mentioned are outspoken about their faith. So, uh, look, maybe God is doing something with some unremarkable talent. Hmm. First Corinthians one twenty seven. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. But yeah, I think you can win without one. I don't think you can do it consistently. There you go. That's shenanigans for this week's show. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, the Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Let's face it, sometimes life hurts. Sometimes we can even get caught up in habits that are hard to break. That hurt can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are struggling with pain or addiction due to such things as drinking, cutting, pornography, eating disorders, troubled family dynamics, and more. Hundreds of students from middle school age to college age have been given tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program, and many lives have been changed as a result. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1 to 2.30 p.m. in the Auditorium Theater in Rochester. And of course, it's absolutely free of charge. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, or call the church office at 585-723-HOPE. That's 585-723-4673, and ask for Jill. Along with Zach Barletta, and this week we also have Spencer Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. The Beyond the Game show is recorded in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. We're proud to say our podcast, though, is heard all over the world. This week's place of honor is Casper, Wyoming. Casper, Wyoming being one of the places the show was downloaded last week. Home of the college, National Finals Rodeo. Do you guys get into the rodeo at all? 
No, I, do not. I, I could have predicted that. See, I, I love that stuff. Not unless rodeo is in the name of a barbecue sauce. Other than that, it's not happening. <laughs> or a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Casper, Wyoming is the birthplace of former Cincinnati Reds pitcher Tom Browning. Oh. Browning threw a perfect game in 1988, won a World Series title with the Reds, and there is a local connection. He actually went to Lemoyne College for two years in Syracuse. The interesting oh. thing about Lemoyne College, they're in Syracuse. You know what their mascot is? They're the Lemoyne Dolphins in Syracuse, New York. <laughs> okay. NFL lineman Zane Beatles, also born in Casper, Wyoming, currently playing for the 49ers, has spent time with the Jaguars and the Broncos. Outfielder Mike Devereaux, former outfielder Mike Devereaux, also born in Casper, spent 12 seasons in the majors, mostly with the Orioles, late 80s, early 90s. If you're in Casper, Wyoming, we thank you for listening. Wherever you may be listening from today, we're honored that you make us part of your day. You, too, can subscribe to the podcast. Simply go to our website, btgprogram.com, or go to iTunes, whatever your favorite podcast source. Click subscribe, and as long as you're there, go ahead and leave us a review. Earlier in the show, we talked about what the Bible calls disciple-making, what many refer to as mentoring, and is really just investing in other people by being a good example to them, living with integrity, being the kind of person that makes the world a better place if others were to emulate you. Anaheim Ducks center Andrew Cogliano is is one of those people. He's one of the good guys. Few people around the NHL would tell you anything bad about him. A, a fast skater, a guy who gets up, he goes to work every day. He just goes about his business without a lot of drama. He's been in the NHL for 11 seasons and has never missed a game. He's just one of those guys that works hard, gets up, goes to work. And we're talking hockey. This isn't some mm-hmm. lightweight sport that's easy on the body. He had got up and gone to work for 830 consecutive games to start his NHL career. Well, that streak came to an end on Monday when one of the good guys in the league was suspended for two games for an illegal check to the head of L.A. Kings forward Adrian Kemp on Saturday. The suspension brings to an end what is the fourth longest Ironman streak of games played. He was just 134 games shy of Doug Jarvis's NHL record of 964 consecutive games. Former tough guy player and, what can we say, goon, right? He was a goon. <laughs> Ty Domi was a goon. Yeah, noted He reacted to the suspension via Twitter saying, Wow, just saw a replay, definitely not worth a suspension, definitely not worth breaking a record for a guy playing 830 games straight. Definitely an important record that is important to acknowledge. Definitely Andrew Cogliano gets respect from players and ex-players. No disrespect to Ty Domi, really. None intended, but is this the defense witness that you want on your side when it comes to trying to (laughs) say how innocent you are or to argue your innocence? As you would expect from a guy with a work ethic such as Cogliano, the streak it, was, it had to be important. It sure seemed mm-hmm. important to him. And yeah. here he is talking about that streak coming to an end. It's a tough pill to swallow. I'm not going to lie. You know, uh, you know, I think I've, I, I've, I played hard and I battled and, and, um, I'm a professional and someone that I've, uh, you know, I've played a long time and, um, I missed the game. So as typically happens when defending their guy, people start, Asking about other people. Hey, what about that guy? How come that guy, uh, his hit was more malicious, yet he's not suspended as much? The point to circumstances where lesser punishment was given or perhaps no punishment was given at all. And, of course, Andrew Cogliano is not 
Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. And we've debated this many times over the years, Zach. Star players in the NHL, they get preferential treatment. And maybe in the NHL more than in other leagues, you could argue that they need their star players on the ice to attract viewers, to attract fans. Uh, my argument is always going to be the same, though. If, if if I were in the position of presiding over how much of a suspension, whether or not to suspend him, I'm always going to say the same thing. Look, I'm not worried about the other guys. I'm focusing here on you. I believe that to be a biblical approach, as seen in the vineyard parable in Matthew chapter 20. There's a vineyard owner, and he needs help. He goes out, he hires some laborers. As the day goes on, he determines he needs more help, hires a few more guys. And at the end of the day, he pays them all the same amount. Well, this obviously frosts the fanny of some people that had been there since the early morning. They wonder, why is this guy getting the same amount when he hasn't worked as much? Matthew chapter 20, verse 13. But he answered and said to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go, but I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? He says, look, man, you agreed to the price. You, we're, we're good here. I haven't cheated you. You know, it's my money. I'll do what I want. It always gets a little sticky, I think, when employees start asking each other or finding out about other employees' compensation. It gets yeah. a little sticky. The old saying, ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss sometimes, you know, it's spot on. And oftentimes a person is just happier keeping his or her eyes on their own people. That, that, that parable, is, it's a great picture, I think, of God's grace. He blesses people as he's pleased to do so, according to his will and pleasure, and not according to what those people deserve or what I deserve. God's system is not easy for us to understand. We're used to a system where... Look, you want something, it costs such amount, you pay such amount. You you do this, you get that. But God deals with man according to who he is, according to his grace and love, not, not according to man. The landowner didn't stick it to anyone. He was more generous to some than others, for sure. I don't know why God is that way. He's never unfair, but yet he chooses to bless some people more than others. Again, it's Probably best just to keep our eyes on our own paper and not worry what, how somebody else. But getting back to Cogliano, should the league consider a player's history in regard to prior offenses, his reputation, you know, these sorts of things, or especially when you got like a streak like he's building, should they weigh that stuff in? And what do you guys think? I think you have to consider the past actions of a player, whether they're a repeat offender or not, when you're determining the length of a suspension. If you are, um, well, if you're a Ty Domi, let's say, and you commit a, vent, a penalty like this or a violation, your suspension should be longer because you have been doing it for a long time. For somebody like Cogliano, I don't think the flip side is true. I don't think you can say, well, he's never done it before, so he shouldn't be punished for this. Because like we've said on a, when we said, when we talked about Rob Gronkowski, you're not a dirty player until you are, you know, and you've never done anything dirty until you have. So... Look, if you hit a guy in the head and it's late, you should be suspended whether you're working on a streak or curing cancer or whatever you're doing. Yeah, he never in his career been fined. He's never been suspended. In fact, only twice in his career did he incur more than 30 minutes of penalty time in a season. This is not a dirty player. But you hit somebody in the head, 
look, you, you know, you got to be penalized for it. I think it's probably safe to speculate that the league weighed all that stuff in. I can't imagine this was easy to them. I doubt very much they wanted to see the streak come to an end, especially mm-hmm. in this way. I imagine they tried to come up with any scenario they could think of that would not involve ending a streak. Man, they didn't want the blood of a of of an ended streak on their hands, much the way Pilate tried to wash his hands. He wanted nothing to do with making that decision when it came to crucifying Christ. But at some point, the decision was made, and at some point, the league had to make the decision. The bottom line is, this hit was to the head, and you just can't take a chance on that. When in this day and age, where of head injuries and concerns over play player safety, you have to penalize a player. Any player for such an infraction, you, you, your your hopes are that you're going to curb such infractions in the future. I've, I've seen the video a number of times, and again, it's hockey, it's fast, everything goes so quickly. But it was a little late, and again, it was to the head. Uh, even Cagliano says it was a little late. It, it's close. Um, it was late. It was to the head. He's a good guy. He keeps his nose clean. He does the things he's supposed to do. He's he's one of those guys that you can count on. But even good guys sometimes make bad decisions. Even good people are guilty at times. I think that's what the Bible's talking about when it discusses the path to heaven in Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. Then there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. The fact that there's a highway to hell and a stairway to heaven suggests a little something about the anticipated traffic flow, don't you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> being good is not the same as being holy. Holiness is God's standard for eternal life. Uh, it's his standard for getting to heaven. First Peter 1.16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Good people mess up from time to time. Good people sin. And just as the NHL, in my opinion, had no choice to punish Andrew Cagliano, There's a cost to sin as well. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's that free gift that I want to discuss just a moment. You did nothing to deserve it. But God loves you enough that he's pleased to offer you this free gift of eternal life. Just like the vineyard I spoke about in that parable, God loves you enough that he's going to give his grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because of our sin, our deserved punishment is hell. It certainly can't be in heaven because we don't measure up to this standard of holiness that God has. First John 1, 8 says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But the very next verse First John 1 John 1.9 gives us hope that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The NHL couldn't have been pleased, undoubtedly, to punish Andrew Cagliano. God is not pleased to punish you, but he will because he's holy, because he's just. There really is no option. So he came to earth as a man and he died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we wouldn't have to. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, the Bible says in John three sixteen, After living a life without sin, being undeserving of death, Jesus carried the weight of our sins, uh, of our sins, 
the sins of all mankind and paid for them by dying on the cross. That was a sacrifice for us. He was then buried and then he rose again three days later because he has the power over death. And today he offers that power to each of us, that power over death, that power of life. Instead of eternal death in hell, we can have eternal life in heaven. Again, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look, Jesus died for you, died for me. All he's asking is that we would admit our guilt, pray to him, admit our sin, admit our guilt. Tell him that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Tell him you believe that he was buried and rose again and ask God to forgive you. Tell him you want him to help you change to repent from your sin. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. If you've done that today, we'd love to know about it. Send us a note through our website, btgprogram.com. It's our great pleasure always to pray for you. If you have a prayer request through that same website, Send us a note. We'd be glad to pray for you. Thanks for listening. I'm Rick Benson. They're the Barletta Boys. This is the Beyond the Game program. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Catcher Deanna Navarro hasn't played in the major league since 2016 when he was with the Toronto Blue Jays. Whether or not the free agent has been offered a contract probably doesn't matter because he would have stayed away from the game anyhow as he cared for his wife Shirley who suffered a severe stroke and had even fallen into a coma for several months. The two have been married since Navarro was 18, and though doctors had told him that his wife likely wouldn't recover and even had suggested that she be removed from life support, he's never lost hope and she eventually has regained consciousness. There's not yet a happy ending to this sad story as Shirley still cannot walk or talk and she's only able to raise one arm. Doctors are still advising Navarro that she's unlikely to improve beyond her current condition, but he remains by her side, raising their family and caring for his wife. Navarro started his career as a top prospect with the Yankees and was at one time the minor league player of the year for them. He wore the number 30 in honor of his wife, who had suffered a previous aneurysm back in 2003. It was on September 30th of that year that doctors told him that she would pass away and gave her less than 5% chance of surviving surgery. She's, however, made a full recovery. 
Navarro's been through much over the years. You might recall he was in an auto accident early in his career, which caused his SUV to roll over. He and his family escaped serious injury, but the dirt bag and the other vehicle fled the scene. His son, Deonor Jr., was born with a kidney disorder. And back in 2008, his mother suffered a cerebral aneurysm during spring training. Navarro left the Rays to be with her in Venezuela until she had stabilized. The love and care of former Major League catcher Deano Navarro for his family, and particularly for his wife, is what I like this week. What I liked this week was a tweet I saw about Yankees outfielder Aaron Judge that recently uh, Aaron Judge saw Yankees infield prospect Hoijun Park eating alone. So Aaron Judge sat down to him and with him and asked other teammates to join them. Judge also waited and stayed with Hoijun Park until Park was done eating. Aaron Judge being a good teammate is what I like this that? week. Like what I like this week is the Cincinnati Bengals, which the New York Daily News said has kept the season of giving going. They have actually started donating to the Blake Bortles Foundation. After a few <laughs> weeks ago, they were donated something like $370,000 and 1,500 chicken wings by the Bills Mafia. Bills Mafia gets that started, and now the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have turned around and started giving to the Blake Bortles Foundation after he and his Jaguars knocked out their division rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the, the continuing continued giving to these foundations is what I like this week. I think that's great and all, but when they get to the amount that the Bills fans have given, then I'm going to be impressed. Now I don't want to minimize what somebody's given if they've given some money. That's right, terrific yeah. and all, but I'm good with that. It's something to be proud of, and uh, really nice that the Bills are known for something other than fire and tables and tables on fire. Thanks for being with us today. This has been the Beyond the Game program. If you want to know more about the show, visit our website btgprogram.com. There you'll find information about our show. You'll be able to listen to past broadcasts, and there's detailed information about what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ and how you can know him as your Savior. And you can also make a donation to this radio ministry there at the website. This program is mainly listener-supported, so we depend on the support of listeners like you to be able to do what we do, which is bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to listeners all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. I want to thank Spencer Barletta for being with us this week, along with his brother Zach, who's always here, the cast of Myth and Mysteries. You can visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Be bold.